I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Rosie, Rosie, come and say happy Christmas to the podcats. Can you say happy Christmas? Don't patronise me. Sorry. What are you up to today? I've got a busy day. I'm going to go and have Christmas lunch with the rabbits. Oh, yeah, that's nice. What are you having? Rabbits. Oh, okay. That's a bit macabre. Anyway, have a nice day. Okay, bye. There goes Christmas Rosie. <laughs> She's looking back at me. Every time I say her name, she stops on the track and looks back at me. I love you, dog. Oh, lovely fresh wind. How you doing, podcats? Adam Buxton here. Hope you're all acceptably well and happy enough at this joyful slash incredibly stressful time of year. Hope it's all going okay wherever you are, whether you're listening to this on the 25th of December, 2019, or at some future point. I've only had one uh, big family argument so far this Christmas, so that's good. I'm glad to say it's all resolved now. I don't think there are any festering wounds. Shall I tell you what it was about? Well, I won't go into the underlying motifs of the argument, but I can tell you that it was sparked off by the door of the dishwasher being left open. But that's an indication of how pathetic it was. It's just stressful, isn't it? And the older you get and the more forces there are at play in your life, it just gets more and more like the end of Goodfellas when Ray Liotta's driving around trying to sort out the... What's he try- I can't even remember. I think he's trying to do Sunday lunch, isn't he? But yeah, that's what it can be like. And it just totally got away from me this year. Mind you, I always say that. Oh, it got away from me this year. Usually I'm really good. I'll get everyone great, great presents that they love. It's just this year that it got away from me. Well, it was another year like that. This year, I'm blaming book writing and bad organisation. And as far as this podcast goes... Those are also the things I'm blaming for the fact that we don't have any written contributions from listeners in this Christmas episode, as we would normally do. So no made-up jokes or egg corns this time round. Sorry about that. And we recorded this a few weeks back in November. So sadly, no discussion of the election result, nor do we talk about Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker or the highlights from the last decade, or Trump's impeachment, or any of the other great fun stuff that you will be having heated discussions about with your family and friends this holiday, no doubt. Instead, for the Christmas episode with Cornballs, we exchanged a few low-quality presents. We talked about some very happy developments. Shay Cornballs, and it isn't that Joe's going to be directing the sequel to Cats... It's something even better than that. We had a bit of an informal Song Wars battle 
And Joe once again pulled something quite unexpected and magnificent from his festive tune sack. And of course, there was another chapter in the seasonal story that makes the nativity look like a much, much better story that doesn't have Tom Cruise in it. A couple of notes before we get going. This is a sweary Christmas episode. Quite a bit of effing, maybe even some jeffing. So do go carefully if there are sensitive ears around. I know I'm not consistent. This is the thing that regular listeners will know. What is this? Is this a comedy podcast? Is this a serious podcast? Has it got swearing in it? Is there not? I don't, it's just all over the place. Like life. Also, I want to say thanks up front to Harry and Cal from the band Hooten Tennis Club. They made a jingle for me that was supposed to go in last year's Christmas podcast, but I forgot to include it because, as I think we've already established, I'm a terrible man. But it is in there this year. It's very much in the style of one of our old six music jingles, so I'm sure you'll uh, be able to recognize it. Now, as you'll hear, we recorded the podcast up here in Norfolk. So I began by making Joe some tea. And uh, while I was doing that, he explained what it was that had moved him to take the long journey from London to Castle Buckles. Back at the end, just to say goodbye, but right now, here we go. Ho, ho. tea you can explain what you've been doing in Norfolk why I'm in Norfolk well I've come here to Castle Buckley's and this beautiful part of the country Norfolk folk because I was invited by the Norwich Film Festival to do an extremely prestigious keynote lecture they described it as a talk but I'm going to describe it as a lecture And it was great fun. I was interviewed by a very nice lady for an hour, and then there were audience questions. And overall, I just think it was an absolute fucking triumph. Triumph? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I really think it went very, 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 very well. I'm a positive person. Yeah, yeah. But really, the positivity here is off the scale. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. That's the word I've been looking for. It was a a once-in-a-lifetime miracle of oration and interviewees. Adam's just leaving the room while I'm talking, by the way, which is why I'm going off into hyperbole, because he can't stop me. Yeah, I said it was a miracle. A miracle? A a once-in-a-lifetime miracle. Wow. A miracle. A miracle at Christmas. I believe in miracles. Sure. Jamie Bell, Jamie Bell, Jamie all the way. <laughs> I'm trying to think of Christmassy celebrities. Well, how are you getting on? 
You give me one. Um, okay. Well, God, you really sprung that on me. Yeah, I did. Well, then, Santa Claus Kinski is one. Yeah. yeah. I, you can only say the actual You've got to name. say the actual you name. You can't jazz the name up to make them Christmas. All right. Wow, oh, shit. I just have to think of it. I'll give you another one. Holly Hunter. That's good, but Santa Claus Kinski is better. Yeah, but you've added Santa to it. Okay, so basically, I've got to think of Christmas words. Holly Hunter's that are great also, because no, you're right. It's very, very, she's very. She's hunting good. for Holly. Mickey Tinsel. That's not. A, is, you don't know Mickey Tinsel. Is he on X Factor? No, he's on Love Island. <laughs> Mickey Tinsel, Santa Claus Kinski. Okay, I know one. Johnny Bauble. You're still making <laughs> Christmas words. I'm sorry. You're still combining uh, Christmas one. words. Well, Noel Edmonds. Noel Edmonds, that's very good. I mean, it works on every level, because he is yeah. quintessentially Christmassy as a personality. Chris Snowdonnell. I did it again, didn't I? Yep. He was an actor from the past. If it was a Twitter Rain game... Dear Wilson. You see, again, that, that would be fine if it was Twitter puns. Yeah, but I've just got to go for your belt and braces. Yeah. People who have a Christmassy word as their name already. Yes. Like... Holly Lynn's Hunter. Christmas Tree Lohan. No. I did it again. Uh, <laughs> turn the pun switch off. Turn the pun switch off. And just, just trying to think of Christmas celebrity databank search. Well, I can't do that. I can't. I'm trying to think of other. Give me another Christmassy word. Well, look, you could go in another way with it. Yeah. How about you could have Twister or Mac Lethal because they're fast at rapping. Twister. The rapper. Yes. He's the fastest rapper in the world. Right. Twista. Twista. What's he got to do with Christmas? He's fast at rapping. Oh, I see rapping paper. I, yeah. under, I understand. So he's good now. to have around. These are people who he's are... good to have around. You're absolutely good right. Good to absolutely have around right. at Christmas. You've got well, Holly, who's hunting yes. Holly. Yeah. Mickey Tinsel is very useful as Mickey well. Mickey Tinsel's not real. Jamie Bell, what's he doing? He's just... He's just Jamie Bell. Jamie, Jamie Bell, Bell. Jamie all the way. Um, okay. Mary Berry. There you go. Now, hooray, he's okay. arrived at the party. Okay. Mary Berry. Mary Berry, that's perfect. Okay, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just Mickey Tinsel, he's a... It's just a shame he's... Get off Mickey it's Tinsel! It's a shame he's been knocked out because he's a very... he's not real. He's real, he's on Love Island. He's not. He is on What Love would he Island. be like on Love Island? Would he be a, one of the nice men or one of the loathsome He'd men? He'd be a wonderful thing, a sparkly personality. Did you watch it this year? Around. No, I've never watched it. Have you not? No. Come on, mate, keep up. Keep up with the shitegeist. Keep up with the national conversation. I've never watched it. I watched an American woman doing an impression of some of the British women on that show because they watch it in America Yes. Now. This woman did a really... Like, she nailed the accent. I'd never heard an American nailing a regional British accent What before. region was it? Essex, maybe. Okay. And she is... She calls herself Brittany Broski, and she became a viral sensation this year, 2019, as the kombucha girl. You didn't see that on... Uh, you know, TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. She's on TikTok, and she tried kombucha... And she made some funny faces. And then everyone imitated her funny faces. Yes. And did lip sync to it on TikTok. Love it. Became a sensation. Sure. She herself is very funny. I ended up watching loads of her TikTok videos. And this is the one she did imitating a classic kind of Love Island type person. 
They say like time in the villa, like one day in here is like a week outside. You're right, babe. Do you like go for a chat? Go for a chat later. I pull you for a chat. I just don't want to get mugged off. Like if you're going on a date with another girl, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Just like let me know. Pull me aside before. Do you know what I mean? He's made me look like an absolute mug. Like. I've been mugged off so hard. Yeah, that's she's very good. She's amazing. I she's think amazing. Off and gone, she goes posh for all. Gone, yeah. But off I mean, when you think about it, it's very good though. It's so precise. Are it's you amazing. your thesis would be that the more geographical distance between your actual accent and the accent you're doing, the more impressive it is? Or is it is the specificity of a regional, a local regional it's accent? It's all the Because it wouldn't be that impressive for a British actor to do Texan. Well, Daniel Craig in Knives Out does a very specific, like, is it Alabama? Like, some very specific American accent. The impressive thing is, uh, A, for an American person to have enough detailed knowledge of British regional accents to just even be aware of them, right? Because most Americans just think British people speak like the Queen. Yeah, but I think that's changing now thanks to shows like Love like Island. Love Island. Thank you. Thank you, Love Island. Popularity. Thank you very much in indeed. In the US. But I think she's going to be a star. She, like, earlier this she's year... She's your tip for the top. She's my tip for the top. Well, thank What's her goodness we name? got to your tip this early in the show. <laughs> Every Christmas we ask Ad for a tip for, for his tip for the top. And this year it's Mickey Tinsel. No, Kathleen... Tina Tinsel. Tina TikTok. <laughs> How far is she going to get? All the way. <laughs> all the way. She's going all the way. What does that mean these days? <laughs> she's going... She's going to be in five films, Whoa. two of which do very well. Right. She's going to turn up in a Marvel movie. Yes. As a funny... It's enough for me just as a funny... Guy. Guy. And it's then... It's exciting for her. She's going to go off the rails. Right. At what point did she get to the top, or is she still at the top? When she's off the rails. Does that constitute falling off the top? Or if you're going off the rails, are you in fact ascending even further because you're very famous now i mean everyone's watching you going off the rails you've in a way you're more interesting than you are just as a mere actor now you're going off the rails you're at the top when you go off the rails yes but then once you're off the rails then you start going you start down. plummeting yeah it's so it's all over now for her is it worth it well that's a big question yeah it's a big question isn't it because you've tipped her for the top she yeah. now knows what's ahead of her <laughs> so she can make an informed decision as to whether to Go to the top, or whether just to stay at the bottom. Who would choose, though, not to taste the sweet, sweet fruit of fame, even knowing, having watched a load of documentaries yeah, about how... A million rise and falls. Going off the rails is almost inevitable. Yeah. People go in for It's arms. not what you think it is. The reality... Everyone's very, very aware of, of what a bitter pill fame is. In fact, you probably get hooked on the drugs and the booze because the good life isn't what you thought it would be. So you seek that escapism in chemicals rather than because it's not there in, in, in the life that you find. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not there in the, in the life that you find. <laughs> Excuse me. Yep. But my advice to you... <laughs> it's like having Peter Houston off on Just grab it with both hands. You'll regret it if you don't. Show. Brittany Tomlinson, she's called. She's very good at she doing She works in a Essex bank. Near, she does other stuff. I watched a load of her stuff really? and it really made me laugh. She works in a bank near Dallas, or at least she did. I wonder if she still does. This was only a few months ago that she went viral as I speak. 
The kombucha girl. I wonder if life has changed for her now. Anyway, thanks for coming to Norfolk and see you next year. Thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs> You're listening to The Adam Buxton Podcast. Listen when you want. Unlike a radio broadcast. Listen on the train now. On an aeroplane now. Listen in a tractor form of transport's not a factor. Listen on the first date with another primate. Listen when you're jargon, straight to your noggin. You're listening to the Adam Buxton podcast. If you don't like it, so listen, man, you had a baby. Yes. Whoa. A baby. Are we allowed to talk about this? Or sure, like we to... can talk about the baby. I mean, you, you're, you're generally not overwhelmingly forthcoming with the details of your private life. That's one of the things I sure. respect it's about mysterious. you. Yeah, mysterious. Mm. But we can talk about the baby. What do you want to know about the baby? <laughs> What's, it? What's it like? What is it? It's like a baby. Yeah, well, what kind of baby? She's a lady baby. Baby She's woman. a beautiful baby woman, oh, lady mate. baby. And she's, abs- she's four months old as we record this. We're just entering our first Christmas with our lovely baby. And she's absolutely gorgeous. Are you comfortable saying names or would rather not? Let's just call her... Tinsel? Is, is there a tinsel, tinsel in there little somewhere? Tinsel. Tinsel. Miggy Tinsel. <laughs> mini tinsel mini tinsel and what's mini tinsel like how old is she now she's, she's four months as we record right what's she like well i find her very look atable mm-hmm. like you just cannot stop looking i've seen pictures of her, her and i can concur. but i think that's probably a general baby thing right yeah that's Especially inbuilt if it's your first baby i mean i just literally she stares at me i stare at her I've never kept eye contact with any individual in my life as long as I have. She seems to be able to look at me without blinking for a very long time. Do babies have extra moist eyes? Probably, yeah. She's seen maybe it's a biological function so they can take in things. Okay. She loves it when I sing. Really? I do a lot of a lot of very silly made up songs. Yeah. And she looks at me like <gasps> What kind of songs? All sorts of songs. But it'll be like, nappy time, nappy time, having your nappy change is not a crime, stuff like that. Or usually it'll be very high-pitched. And there's a lot of, (gasps) isn't there? Is there with babies? It's like, (gasps) (gasps) is this the baby making the noise or you? No, me. Yeah. But then the baby makes them back. She likes, She'd be like, oh, that's good. She loves it. She loves that stuff. Remix. She loves lots of crazy songs. She loves a good tummy raspberry. Yes. Loves a good tummy raspberry. Oh, Frank used to like that. Uh, have you not done it recently? I mean, not for a few weeks. No, <laughs> a few weeks. It's the sort of thing that you would do in some terrible father and son bonding weekend that you'd pay for isn't it okay. <laughs> with your 17 year old with son. your 17 all right now i know a lot of you haven't done this for a long time but i'd just like all the sons to pull their shirts up to just below their nipples and just lie back and all that now don't be embarrassed dads it's fine and just all the dads put your lips on your son's stomach and just blow a big happy fun raspberry 
<laughs> Nobody moves. <laughs> um, we've got to go. When do you think it stops being appropriate to do a tummy raspberry on your offspring? Twelve. Uh, twelve. <laughs> I'm going for twelve. <laughs> That's good. We'd like to hear from anyone who's done tummy raspberries over the age of twelve. It's strange that things do definitely change almost from one week to the next with your children right the way. I don't want to hear it through their young I don't want to years. hear it. I mean, I'll hear it, but I don't want to hear it. But there's nothing bad. I just want to stay in baby bubble forever. You will be in baby bubble for a good long while, don't worry. Good, baby bubble. But it's the good thing and the bad thing about it is that there are phases. Yeah, not mine. (laughs) Keep talking, but we'll just remember you're talking about your own children. When they become teenagers, it's strange. You Literally one week, they're fine with everything babyish, reading stories at bedtime, kiss goodnight, I love you, hugs... And then two weeks later, everyone senses that it's no longer appropriate. Mm. And no there's longer. probably a, an email goes out saying from Monday. <laughs> from Monday, if you say I love you, you're pathetic. <laughs> and don't let your parents touch you. Yeah. But I have noticed now that I can still ask for a hug and they don't refuse. Right. It is weird. But you're though. not volunteered. Oh, the hug feels awkward. Yeah. It is awkward, but I just go for it anyway because it's nice. Right. Well, that's good good stuff. I mean, I tend to feel that, uh, yeah, you know, but just bring it on, whatever. I'm very excited that she is in my life. And I, I like, really, really, really love her. What? um, That was nice. I should have left a longer pause after Mm -hmm. that uncharacteristically sincere Mm -hmm. statement. But, um, serious answer, what is the film that you are most excited to sit down and watch You know, I really haven't thought like that at all. I really haven't thought like that. Have you really not? Well, I just feel generally the more expectations and preconceptions you have, the more you're potentially either setting yourself up for a fall or being too premeditated, you know. It would depend on the evening or the night or the mood or the situation... Like, the more I decide... Story one or two? I am going to show you... Like, I've got loads of films that I loved as a kid. But some of them were because they were... You know, the time I saw them or the place I saw them or the particular mood I was in. I just think you're setting yourself up for disappointment sometimes as well because things have changed so much. Like, the stuff that I saw when I was a kid is now... You know, the editing rhythms and the special effects and all that stuff are all pretty dated. One of my favourite books that I read this year by John Higgs Mm -hmm. called The Future Starts Here. Mm -hmm. And it's various thoughts about how we imagine the future Mm. and how that's changed over the years. But one of the things he does there is look back as well at some of the things that were formative for him. Mm. And he showed The Breakfast Club to Mm. a room full of millennials Mm. to his own children and their friends Mm. and it went down badly yeah a lot of those john hughes movies are very uh dated i mean i just watched that the other day did you yeah how come because it criterion released it so i got the criterion of it whoa you spent money on it yeah that's about a year ago i watched it and that has some dodgy stuff in it It's just stereotypes, isn't it? Yeah, it's dodgy stuff, but I feel as if... Maybe I'm fooling myself, but I do feel as if we knew 
the dodgy stuff was dodgy at the time. There's some kind of casual sexual harassment of Molly Ringwald's character. By Judd. By Judd Nelson. Nelson. By Bender. There is some sort of very casual homophobia, which maybe might have been the stuff that we weren't quite so sensitive to. The thing about it is, I think it's true to say those movies are reflections of the world. Yeah. They weren't promoting or attempting to foster those opinions. They were just reflections of what the world was like, weren't they? We didn't watch The Breakfast Club and, you know, we liked it, right? We loved it. I loved it. And it felt like people were homophobic to each other and people did harass girls like that. Yeah. It was something that people sort of accepted was part of the scene, right? It was part of the tapestry of the... tapestry of life. The ups and downs of being a teenager, some obnoxious behaviour included. Yeah, so there's loads of films that were big for me that I wouldn't expect her to like. But it's an odd film, Breakfast Club. It really is. I found a review of it in Time Out that I'd stuck into my diary at the time. In 1985, Mm. we went to see it. And... I stuck in this review written by Anne Bilson, a reviewer in Time Out. She was kind of a brilliant reviewer, brilliant writer. I actually bought a book of her reviews. She wrote a lovely review of E.T. that I always remember. That was, it's like, you know, when, when film reviewers actually know their stuff and can write really mm. well. Mm. Anyway, she's an example thereof. But she hated The Breakfast Club and she felt that it was just this glorification of a totally self-interested generation. Mm. In much the same way that people of our age sometimes pour scorn on millennials these days for being too oversensitive, snowflakey mm. up themselves, whatever you want to call it. It seems as if it's always been that way, you know, with the generation mm. beneath. And Anne Bilson was saying, oh, my God, these insufferable, it's the me generation, she called them, mm. going on about their problems and, oh, I'm poor me and my yeah. life's so hard and it's all the adults' fault. And when you grow up, your heart dies and blah 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 mm. she wasn't buying it but i completely loved it well who remembers ann bilson's review i do because i stuck it in my diary and i wrote over the top this is crap exactly about the review Time Out was a very write-on publication though wasn't it yeah and it was all quite politicized everything they wrote and reviewed i suppose so yeah they they would very much go for an indie movie you know they'd go crazy about repo man but then they'd be very snotty about anything spielberg or to hollywood oh no well you see ann bilson wrote this lovely review of et you should read it it's great an index of the human capacity for love oh (laughs) (laughs) you're right man (laughs) that's my et impression this is what you're like with your daughter. <laughs> He's pointing his this finger at me. This is the thing to do at parties. You go up to people, you go, and you extend a finger, and, and if you can see how you can try and touch them anywhere you want. I don't. I think legally it doesn't count. You can't as, do that, um, especially harassment. not if you're a uh, man over uh, the age of fifty. Well, Et's a thousand, thousands of years old. Know, and his not. finger glows. And if you do that and people try and stop you, you say, no, I'm going to heal you. you go, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that'll stand up in court. CT getting excited there at the end. <laughs> OK, I'm going to give you a present. Oh, wow. Here's a little present. OK? Yes. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks, man. All right, now, here we go. What is this? This is uh, slim. It could be... Oh, it's a personalised book. 
or at least it's a book that you can buy personalized versions thereof. And this is called Adam, Santa's Little Helper. It's a book for kids. I've changed some of the words. Have you? So you have to just have a little... Um... Oh, you have changed the words. So Joe's gone through this children's book called Adam, Santa's Little Helper and crossed out some of the words. Yeah, <laughs> I've then... made it more... I've, pers- I've made it extra personal and then, uh... for you. It's sort of a story of a little boy in his school's nativity play or his school's Christmas play who is so, <laughs> who's sort of directing the play and lots of stuff goes wrong in the play, but Adam, the little boy, helps everybody out. So I've changed it from a boy putting on a Christmas play to a boy called Adam doing a Christmas podcast. All right. Shall I read it? The Christmas... Yeah, you read it. You read I, it. No, but it won't be as good. Adam has got butterflies. The Christmas podcasts today. He's got the most important role. The helper for the podcast. (laughs) It originally said the helper for the play. His friend lays out the presents while he checks the sound and mics. And next, they decorate the room. This job is oh so right for Adam. It's good so far, isn't it? (laughs) This is perfect. The audience is listening. The figurative curtain starts to rise. I added figurative. Oh, yeah. I was going to say. Adam does... A sneaky fart. What a stinky old surprise. <laughs> it originally said Adam takes a sneaky peek and sees 200 eyes. No, he's just... You've done a little anxiety fart. Uh-huh. Because it's the Christmas He's drawn podcast. in the guff illustration. Okay. It says the original is a woolly cotton costume covers Adam head to toe. So when he helps the snowman fly, he's camouflaged as snow. I've changed it to... <laughs> it's not that funny. A woolly, scruffy beard covers Adam head to toe. It makes him look so very old compared to his youthful best friend, Joe. (laughs) Doesn't scan. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay, this goes... The drummer's drum, the piper's pipe, the turtle doves are cooing. (laughs) Poor Adam cannot concentrate on anything he's doing. I've changed it too. The drummer's drum, the piper's pipe, the turtle doves are cooing. Poor Adam cannot concentrate because someone on Twitter's booing. Oh. Oh, you've read one nasty tweet. And it's got to me. And it's, and it's upset you. Okay, the next page goes, <laughs> Adam spots a problem. The maid's milk has been dripping. He'd better clean the spillage up to stop the donkey slipping. Adam has a great idea. It's really very neat. He sends some sheep onto the stage with mops upon their feet. I've changed it to, Adam spots a problem. The maid's milk has been dripping, but Joe's partner's breastfeeding issues are none of his business. <laughs> then I've crossed the other page out entirely. Nice. The next page goes... <laughs> crossed the other page out. <laughs> That's what I, I just got rid of the other page. <laughs> the next page goes... <laughs> then suddenly the stage goes dark. Did all the light bulbs blow? Adam finds the answer. His quick thinking saves the show. I've changed it to... Then suddenly the podcast studio goes dark. Did all the light bulbs blow? Adam finds the answer. (laughs) The radiant talent of his best friend, Joe. So bad. (laughs) You just changed... (laughs) And then... Podcast studio, it doesn't rhyme, it doesn't scan. (laughs) I did it on the train. (laughs) So on the facing page, 
I've just put thing. like Joe's radiance lights up the stage. Yeah. Yeah, so the next page goes. The show has been a huge success. The children all had fun. Adam was amazing and looked after everyone. Which I've changed to. The show has been a huge success. The listeners all had fun. Adam was amazing, but Joe was number one. (laughs) (laughs) The next page, it says, Adam spots his family. They run into the crowd. You are Santa's little helper, and you make us all so proud. That's nice. That's how the book ends. Okay. But... I've got it ending. Adam spots his family and they run into the crowd. You are Santa's little helper, but it's Joe who makes us proud. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the end. Thanks so much. Christ. (laughs) (laughs) What a a Christmas pick-me-up. That is. And if you ever feel down, you can just pick that book up. What a stinky old surprise. <laughs> At first I was thinking, oh, gosh, Joe's put so much more work into his presents than I have. I'm nope. embarrassed. That's good, man. Thanks. That's all right. Adam, Santa's little helper. That is very good. <laughs> the holiday hall, it goes to give you a present yummy yummy the thing is i was saying to you before i really did start thinking about presents a while back and i Mm -hmm. just couldn't find anything and then i thought i'd found a few things Mm. that i ordered online and when they showed up they were not what Mm. i had been promised shall i tell you what i was gonna get all right dad (laughs) (laughs) must you make this speech around the tree every year before we get to open our presents, Dad. It's true, isn't it? That's the, the caveats. Kind of, that's the kind of thing my dad used to do. Is Actually, my dad wouldn't even make the excuses. He would just... We would get an envelope saying, I owe you oh, something good. It's in, that Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's important to for a parent to contextualise, to manage expectations. Yeah, exactly. So you worked very hard. You ordered some stuff on the internet, but it wasn't any good. It showed up, and it wasn't. It just wasn't what wasn't what was advertised. What was advertised? No. Might send it back. Don't know. Mm. So instead, it was just some panicky. Anyway, look, panicky. panicky it's a box. Buying. It's a box. It's a box. It's like a cube. It's like a giant dice cube. Not giant, but you know, it's very exciting. It's it's got a sort of soft rattle. It might be something for baby. Baby cornballs. Well. Little baby cornballs. Oh, okay. So it's uh, a crap jokes toilet roll, the ultimate in toilet humour. It's a roll of toilet paper with jokes on. With crap jokes lavatorial on. jokes. Lavatorial Your favourite type of joke. Oof. Joe's never been a lavatorial That's humor true. Fan. It's very provocative. Provocative. Do you think it repeats the design? Or do you think there's a fresh joke all the way? It can't be fresh jokes right the way through. Okay, now, I'd imagine these are jokes of a level that you should, if you have any sense of humour, be able to predict the answer. Mm-hmm. Where do sheep get their hair cut? Uh, that's a pretty straightforward one. The bar bars. Yes, the bar bar, the bar bar shop. Watch green and goes up and down. That's an old one. Cucumber in an elevator. That's quite good. Why does Ross have long... This is a pretty easy way to make money. Is I mean, 
because they've declared <laughs> that the jokes are crap. Yeah, yeah. And so they really don't have to put... I mean, really, the worst the jokes... Well, they're like cracker jokes in that respect. What bird is always? But these are these are below. Come on, there's got to be some. These, good no, ones these in are crap. They've dragons. got what's brown and sticky. That's my favourite joke. What's a frog's favourite drink? A stick, by the way. Um, <laughs> what's a frog's favourite drink? A uh, hot Coca Cola. I'm not. Coca Cola. I know. Come on, that's crap. That's, that's crap. Funny stuff. What insect can never be understood? Oh, I don't know. A mumblebee. Oh, mate. Come on, I've never even that's heard good. that before. What do you call a one-eyed dinosaur? That's the joke out of Jurassic Park. Do you think he saw us? Yeah. How do snails keep their shells shiny? Mm, slow, something slow. What do humans use to keep their nails shiny? Uh, polish, nail polish. Snail polish. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's as... good, man. I mean, that's very good. <laughs> it's very good. It's very but good. But then you see, the thing is that you can wipe your ass with them. And that makes you feel better. It does, doesn't it? Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Why if I be moving so slow? It's taking ages for pages to load. Oh, it was like this when the engineer came. He said it was fake, but now it's the same. I'm taking a photo with my tea to put on my Instagram. Some people like to see the tea of another man. People be tripping out tea, pick it. Yorkshire brewing a nice picket. But I can't upload. Ooh, Cause my Wi-Fi's too slow. Oh, oh. Should I give you another Prezi? Whoa, okay. This is a good Prezi. I mean I saw this and I thought this is for Adam. Oh. Because this is going to help you, I think, with 2020. Okay. And a lot of aspects of your life in 2020. Thanks very much. And it is... <laughs> it's a big old magazine, that the sort of thing you buy from expensive magazine shops in Soho. What's the magazine called? It's called Fantastic Man. I saw that, I thought of you. I thought, Adam is a fantastic man. This is the mag for him. It's an important, expensive, big, glossy, cutting-edge fashion magazine called Fantastic Man. You can tell it's new because it's a new size, right? It's a perfect square. It says on the front, this <laughs> is the revamped 30th issue of Fantastic Man magazine, totally devoted to ancient and super-modern Greece. <laughs> it's themed. It's a theme magazine. And so it's got some fashion tips. And just some of them are looks that you might enjoy <laughs> next year. I love these big, glossy, stupid fashion magazines. Because in a way, they're on the search for imagery that's never been seen before, right? Like, what can you possibly do that's new in the context of a fashion shoot? And, and these... they come up with demented, brilliant, crazy fashion ideas. Right. You're looking at now the sort of contents page of the magazine. Oh, the but contents it, page? Yeah, it's about... All fashion magazines have about 20 pages of ads before oh. the con because they can charge more for the adverts before the contents page. Got you. So that's the contents page. But instead of a list of contents, they've got a sort of manifesto of things that Fantastic Magazine stands for. And I've just asked a risk to few to help you, things that I think pertain to you. What is Fantastic Man? One... It is all new. Yes. Capitals. So you must be doing new things next year, Adam. You are stuck in a yeah, rut. I am, yes. You must do new things. I'm going to. This magazine will help you. Read more. Okay. 
What is Fantastic Man? It is a physical printed object. There are not many of them around, no. are there? Because everything's on the internet. That's true. Yes. Some things still exist in the fucking world, mm-hmm. you know. What is Fantastic Man? Number nine. It is a project. Yes. Number 14. It shuns cliches and stereotypes. Thank fuck. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because those are two of my least favourite things. I knew it. I knew when I saw that. I thought, 14. There's Adam in a nutshell. Thank Christ. I finally found a magazine. That shuns. That shuns cliches and stereotypes. Yes. You know, maybe some magazines will shun one or the other. But very few shun both, both. of them. Yeah, and you, you hate them. You've um, had Rentacle in here before, haven't you, to get rid of them? To get rid of stereotypes, that was. I personally right. have got on my hands and knees and tried to eliminate <laughs> the cliches. <laughs> what is Fantastic Man? Number 16. It is an experiment. It's an experiment. Don't be afraid to experiment. Okay. All right. Wow, that was a good page. Now, this is a poster. Look, it comes with a poster. Oh, there's a lady with no top on. Well, that's only the tip of the iceberg. Open up that poster. Okay. Now, this is a poster that comes through with Fantastic Man magazine, and I think it's a poster you should look at every day. (laughs) (laughs) It says... It has the word... Oh! (laughs) What's it got on it? It's a sort of fold-out poster, and it has several panels with black and white photographs and a couple of colour photographs of models in various poses. In the corner, it says in white capital letters against black, Craximo. Mm-hmm. K-R-A. It might be another brand. Oh, I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> and then it's got... <laughs> it's... <laughs> Okay, so one of the pictures is of some... It's a black and white picture of some riot police. Yeah. Above that is a picture of a young man wearing a a sweater with a big W on the back and gym socks and nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) And he has his bottom to the camera. And he he appears to be doing something with himself in the corner of a room. Hmm. Then above that is next to the word Craximo... It's a young man who looks as if he might be a... He looks like Barishnikov. Mm-hmm. He's topless and he's wearing some <laughs> baggy boxer shorts. His willy's poking. His willy's poking out. Poking you know, secretly out. I'd love to run a magazine like this, wouldn't you? Yeah. Can but you imagine how much fun it would be? His willy's poking out, but he also has a mm. samurai sword stuck down through the Obviously. Uh, shorts. Obviously. You could get away with anything if you ran a magazine like this, don't you think? Yeah. You could take a photograph or set up a model shoot of absolutely anything you wanted to. But I think that's, to be serious, though, how some people in the fashion industry... Get in trouble. Get in trouble. That guy, that photographer, Terry... What's his face? The guy that all the models turn up on his doorstep. A few photographers. Yeah. Mm. No, that's true, but obviously... You know, there are limits. There are But in terms of mad shit, it's the sort of world that Harmony Corinne exists in. Exactly. Somewhere at the intersection of art and fashion, which just seems incredibly stupid and fun to me. Yeah. And I get the impression that they have a really good time. You can write about whatever you want, do whatever you want, flounce around, get free clothes off everybody. Brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should start a magazine. We were going to start a magazine once. We were going to call it Yentl. (laughs) 
<laughs> Were we? Yeah. We might not have thought through the repercussions of that uh, <laughs> name. Last December, I went outside and who'd I see but Santa Sitting on a ride with things for me He had presents in his arms and his sleigh was loaded With amazing gifts, I thought, yes! Santa, give me the presents right now, please Little fucking elves dancing round and round Don't give me the stuff I don't want I want that stuff now Santa, give the fucking stuff to me Santa said, you missed the point of the holiday. It's not about stuff, it's about thoughts and giving and love and all that. I said, fuck off, back to Iceland, you twat. How you doing, man? I'm doing very well. I feel like another Prezi. I'd love to have another Prezi. Okay. Oh, dear. But don't, I mean, oh, dear, oh, dear. Go on, give me another Prezi. It's Christmas. I'll be nice about it. Sure. Just get it over with. Here you go. Here's a Prezi for you, man. Ooh, it's rattly. Oh. Rattly fun times. <laughs> uh, it's maybe like a novelty set of cards or a puzzle. It's a game. Oh, this is good. Soundiculous. Beep, cheep, grunt, howl, and laugh your way to glory. Aged 8 plus, players 3 to 10, minutes 15 plus. It's two little packs of cards. Are the rules easy? Yes. Okay, so the first set of cards just says... Oh, God. So basically what you have to do is... On the card are things that make noises. Yes. And you have to make the sound, and the other person has to guess as many as I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Okay. So you divide up the cards. That's very good. I'm just going to play to you. All right. Okay. A shaver. A bee. Fly. A bomb. Yes. A heart. Heartbeat. Heartbeat. Oh, here's a tough one. A shark. Yes. Spitting. A pig. It's Robert De Niro. Oh, that's quite. It's quite hard. This one's quite hard. Yeah. Some of them are really hard. There's three different types. There's like medium. Happy monkey. No, that was good. No, mouse. I can't do a mouse. Oh. How does a mouse go? <laughs> no, yes, I think <laughs> that's how you do it. Yes, it's just difficult. He's correct, yes. <laughs> okay, that's a good... Uh, hiccup. Zip. You've got to say yes zip. when I get them right. Yes. A zip. Okay. Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> no. A woman giving birth. Yes. Puking. Arnold <laughs> 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 <Arnold> Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> a bear. This is a great game. No, that was a dinosaur. You a dinosaur? Idiot. You're not allowed to use your hands. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't. I use my teeth. Dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know why kids love dinosaurs? No. Your kids love dinosaurs, right? Yeah. Do you know why? I don't. Because they're terrifying, but they're utterly extinct. They're right. completely non-threatening. It's the same reason why young girls like take that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
Yep. What, are you mean you've had enough? No, no, no. You carry on. No, no, no. <laughs> you I'm pleased carry on. that you're... I'm just going to pop next door. Is there any chance that you might play this game at uh, Christmas? Yes. A contemptuous is... pony. <laughs> it is Christmas and we are playing it. Yeah. <laughs> that is Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's <laughs> a monster. A monster? Okay. A blinky blonky blink, blonk, blink, blonk, blink. Rooter blinky blonk, blonk, blonk. Piano? Yes! Are you allowed to say words? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Okay, here's a good one. A chopper, helicopter. Love the smell of napalm in the morning. Love it. Do you want to do some? Yes. I, I'm yes. not going to be as good as you, though. That was impressive. Thanks, man. I'm going to give you some mediums All with right. that in mind. Here we go. Bitty ghost. Yes. That was scary. <laughs> I actually know that ghost. Fucker. <laughs> DJ scratching. <laughs> Hip hop. <laughs> a man having breathing difficulties. I'm beatboxing. Beatboxing. Well, come on. No what? one does. <laughs> the fat boys did, didn't they? The fat boys? Yeah. Only when they were having heart attacks. <laughs> <laughs> a bee. A circular saw. Frankie Howard. Oh, a toothbrush. Electric nice. toothbrush. Yes. Yeah, that was quite good because that was actually the sound inside your head. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like the guy from Police Academy. You are. <laughs> what about this one? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> It'd be easier if I could say words. Boris Johnson. I don't yes. know. Well, a giant. A giant. Yeah, that's good. All right. How about this? Uh, jet ski. Oh, I know. Well, you're doing this. The hands that are giving it away. That was uh, a chainsaw. Yeah. What about this? Trampoline. Nearly. Oh, bungee jumping. Yes. Oh, that's good. That's good, isn't it? How about this? Lawnmower. You've got some twigs in it there. No, I don't know. a bee trapped in a lawnmower. <laughs> uh, a remote control aeroplane. Don't know. A lightsaber. No. Yes, it's one of the... <laughs> no, that sounds like some sort of industrial leaf blower. And then when it was going back in... <laughs> Mine's much better. Yours is better when just then, but not before. Oh, Jesus Christ. And this Merry is a fun Christmas. game, though, isn't it? It is. Ding, ding. Any more feds, please? <laughs> What's that one? Why don't you just say, 
Ding, ding. It's a bus. Welcome aboard the bus. <laughs> Let's have a nice game of basketball. Kapup, 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 kapup. Hooray, someone scored a hoop. That's how you play this game. <laughs> I'm a small furry creature that rhymes with mamster. Why in that voice, though? What's the voice you did? <laughs> I'm a giant fish that lives in the sea. <laughs> I want to go to Christmas with that guy. That's a good game, man, but we've done it now, so you can have it back. <laughs> you don't want to date him? No, back. it's a very good game. That'll be right. fun for Christmas. Good evening and welcome. Frost on the window. Now, Joe, this year you have been embracing the world of social media. Sure, this year I started an Instagram account. You can find me at Mr. Joe Cornish, all lowercase. And you know I've pretty much, let's have a look in fact, I've pretty much, I've posted 229 times. I don't promote my Instagram in any way. I'm not on Twitter or any other form of social media. I don't hashtag my posts. It's a little secret club Uh for people who discover it. And I'm posting a lot of fun, old video and photographic material from when we were younger. I mean, it goes all the way back to a Super 8 film we made when we were about 14 or 15 called A Few Friends for Dinner. Uh Uh-huh. And then... I've been posting little bits of some of our holiday videos, like a trip to um, the Marquis de Sade's castle. That's right, I uh, saw that. A little video we made when we went on holiday to Wengenalp. Beautiful. What did you um, post of that? Oh, some little snippets. Don't worry, I'm very judicious. <laughs> and you come off extremely well. In no way is it an extended programme to <coughs> undermine your public image. Have you got a nice reaction from people? You know, one of the nicest things about it is the comments people make. And I've got a lovely little coterie of commenters. It's very nice. It's a lovely way to start the day. You know, I started it in my paternity leave, those late nights, early mornings, around the house, being Mr. Mom. And it was just a fun thing to do. And I really quite enjoy it. And you haven't got to the point now where people are starting to leave. Not positive comments. No, I have one person. But Instagram's quite good. You can just terminate them. Right. At the flick of a switch. And in fact, I don't even think I did it in the end. Everyone's very nice. No doubt, now that we've had this conversation, that'll stop. (laughs) So thanks for that. But no, it's a warm, fuzzy place. You know, it's very good for you. Really, I'm doing a lot of work advertising you yeah to remind people of of your acting skills sure. like we got a little clip of ken corder there went up recently we got quite a lot of archive video material of louis theroux as well as a little kid you know in his book 
Louis describes himself when he was at school as a ninny. I liked him when he was at school. <laughs> I like ninny Louis. I want a bit more ninny. He's still quite a ninny, isn't he? He's still a ninny. And that's my favourite Louis, isn't he? He, in his book, describes me as ingratiating when I was at school. Right. That's not a good word. Well, I'd say it can flip both ways. Ingratiating can be someone who is very likeable, very quickly. Yeah. If you look up the definition of ingratiating uh, on the internet, yes. I don't know if you've been on the internet, but it's less of a positive really? definition. Really? Are you upset than about that? What? Ingratiating, mm. adjective, intended to gain approval or favour, sycophantic, toadying, fawning, crawling, creeping, unctuous, oh obsequious, servile, submissive. Come on, this is flattering. <laughs> Cloying, nauseating, oh, sickening, no. greasy, oily, saccharine, wheedling, cajoling, smarmy, Christ. slimy, creepy, oh, sucky, boot-licking, brown-nosing. So that's it for you and Louis. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. I actually worried about it for a couple of days. Did you? Yeah. I, 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 thought, I always like, thought it was... I thought I didn't think it was a purely... I uh, didn't think so I either. And I, I, I thought, OK, fine, fair enough. But then I thought harder about it and I thought... Hmm, maybe I'm wrong about the definition. Then I Googled it and I read oh, all those oh. definitions. And then I thought, Louis must know that. He's a clever word guy. He knows his words. He must have used it deliberately with those definitions. I'd be pretty confident he means no ill towards you whatsoever. No, I he asked meant him. it as somebody who is um, easy to like. I asked him about it. I certainly read it as someone who's easy to like. Yeah, You're, uh, that's exactly how he meant it. And I believe him. Yeah. But I did have a little paranoid day about it. Well, I'm not surprised. What a madman. A whole day. Yeah. I got myself into a state and I thought, I don't want to ask him if that's what he meant because it's too mad of me to even be worrying about it. But then I couldn't yes. stop myself worrying about it. So I just thought, I'll just check. Clear the air. No, in fact, what I did was I was interviewing him on stage and mm -hmm. I asked him on stage mm -hmm. I thought that was better than just sending him a text that's a good idea do it in public <laughs> yeah well done it was all fine but look I came across this bit of footage one of the very first things we shot yes when we must have been about yeah 14 15 yep. 1984 I think and it was in the house where me and my family used to live in Earl's Court West London and you had come over one day and my dad had recently taken possession of a, a very primitive video camera. Yes, I remember it. It had a big sort of satchel style shoulder strap recording, almost like you had a VCR exactly. on your hip. Yeah, you did. Essentially, it was a VCR unit, a VHS recorder and had a carrying strap and you could screw in with a big chunky rubber cable this mm. camera mm. separate camera unit mm. that would record onto a vhs tape and so my dad who was the travel editor of the sunday telegraph at the time would occasionally be able to road test these products and that was one of the products that he road tested and i immediately took possession of it and learned how to use it and we eventually ended up being allowed to keep this thing which is a big deal not many people had video cameras in those days i mean it was only very rich people that had those kinds of things or maybe schools or you know institutions so it was quite cool that we had access to this video camera we just taped loads of what year was this 83 i think four? 84 84 i reckon and i found this thing and the first things that you and i did together were 
sort of TV spoofs, weren't they? Yes. Mimicking uh, things. Yeah, I'd just seen, and now for something completely different, the Monty Python sketch film. Mm-hmm. It had been on TV. Maybe you saw it first then as well. Probably. Think? I was a little ahead of you in, in many ways. Of course. But obviously, you know, you see that and that was a big deal. Wow. <clears throat> Very it's, funny. So we recreated. There was the one about the guy who wrote the funniest sketch in the world. Yes. And died laughing. We recreated that in my bedroom. And then we did other little TV spoofs. And one of them we did was a spoof of Tomorrow's World. Now, remind us what Tomorrow's World was. Tomorrow's World was a TV programme. Was it on the BBC? Yeah, Yeah, it was. And it was just a magazine show about innovation, technology, and things that would happen in the future. Presented by, I want to say Rod Hull, but that's wrong because he was with (laughs) Emu. Yeah. Somebody like that, though. Maggie Philbin? Maggie Philbin, there you go. The one you're trying to think of is Michael Rod. That's right, Michael Rod. Originally Raymond Baxter. This is a show that ran from 1965. It had a particularly good theme music and it had a particularly good title sequence that was amazing. It was a kind of must-watch show for kids because it wasn't a children's show, was it? But it sat in that space between children's television and adult programming that felt like you were watching something quite sophisticated as a kid. Yeah, it was one of the first popular science programs on TV. 1965 to 2003, it mm. ran. Philbin, Rod, Kieran Prenderville, Judith Hahn. She was one of the longest there we serving go. presenters. That's who I'm thinking of. Now, did she always present with other people or was it ever yeah. Han Solo? <laughs> Thanks. And the show had several theme tunes. It didn't just have the one theme. Yeah. In the 1970s, there was a jazzy one by John Dankworth. And the titles for that one was Each Letter of Tomorrow's World Appearing. So there was a loaf of bread rising into the shape of a letter T. There was a fried egg with the yolk shaped like an I. There was some ball bearings forming an R. Mm. These must have inspired some of our little lo-fi idents on the Adam and Joe show. Exactly, right, yeah. Oh, yes. Very much the sound of the future. It was in the 70s. That's the kind of uh, World's Fair perspective on the future, you know what I mean? Like, the future's going to be fun and convenient. It's going to be convenient, fun and jazzy. Leonard Rossiter in 2001. Then we jump to one of the later themes in the late 80s. 87, this became the theme. This is our era now. Well, no, this is after our era, really. I was still watching avidly in 87. Oh, so this is the sort of Spielbergian... Exactly. This is pretentious orchestral future. It's at a cross between Antiques Roadshow and... This is an optimistic street urchin strolling into the future. <gasps> yes. And then massive cyborgs or coming it's out a, of the Or ground. it's a, a woman scientist with big ideas battling sexism I'm in sorry, a university. I'm sorry, a woman scientist? <laughs> what are you talking about? This one is by Joe Campbell and Paul Hart. Tell me something I don't already know. But the one that we grew up with was by... Richard Denton and Martin Cook. Mm. And it is, I would say, an absolute banger. And now look at the latest technological trends in tomorrow's world. (laughs) 
What's the date on that again? So that is the theme from, I think, 1980 to 1985. Wow, that's very ahead of its time, just to have that beat, that yeah. pounding beat. Very good. So I found this little bit of video, and our spoof of Tomorrow's World is not notable for its brilliance. But the theme that we did... And we recreated the titles by filming a lamp and just moving the camera around mm-hmm. so that it made little trails. We thought that was spacey. And what we did, which was sort of brilliant, was make a backing track of the burbling synthesizer. So we recorded me doing that and then played it underneath and then we sang over the top of it, you and me. Let's hear it. <laughs> But look, man, having a little Tomorrow's World memory bath made me think about how that kind of show wouldn't really get made today. (laughs) (laughs) This is like a kind of Radio 4 cultural review show now. They, They made The Last Tomorrow's World in 2003, but back then the format of the show, I think it was beginning to become a little bit more aware of oh, you know, there might be some downsides to technology and progress and we should deal with some of those. It wasn't all up-tempo and, ooh, the future's going to be great, Mm. which it was when we were growing up, wasn't it? I suppose it was mainly about innovation and convenience, but I think you could still make a show like that. But the future now, how you look at the future... Again, this is this book I bought this year by John Higgs, The Future Starts Here. The way that most people imagine the future now is pretty negative and nihilistic the way that we imagine futures has now become you you kind of have to imagine it as a dystopia the only film mm-hmm. i can think of that hasn't done that recently was tomorrowland mm-hmm. and even that that was almost a diatribe about how jaundiced our imagination about the future mm. was you know what i mean yeah maybe uh, stuff like guardians of the galaxy i guess there's much more far-fetched stuff that's just science fiction though i suppose you're talking about stuff that's directly presented as an extrapolation of uh, where things will go. Maybe you're right. I, I think also they don't make that sort of show anymore, do they? They don't really make magazine shows. Don't they? Well, they do sort of consumer affairs shows. Only just. Watchdog type things. They only just, and they keep trying to having to rejig the formats to keep it interesting. Uh-huh. People don't basically sit and talk to a camera anymore. They do if they're unboxing something on YouTube. <laughs> well, exactly. They do on YouTube, yeah. but it's not good enough for proper telly anymore. Yeah, everything has to be like a movie on TV now, which is sometimes good. Movies are good. Movies are nice. I love listen, movies. Listen, I've got nothing <laughs> against movies. That's not what I'm saying. But I was thinking, I challenged Joe. I, I challenged Joe. I challenged Joe. I can't say challenged. I challenged Joe before we met up to come up with a theme tune. You're never going to be a TV presenter. No, I'm not. Because one of the words they have to, one of the sentences they have to say is, I challenged. So I challenged Suki to see whether (laughs) she could get across London faster than me. So we challenged London Transport to tell us why. So I challenged Terry to prove that he's got that thing that he said he <laughs> That's did. That's what I was trying to do. Say it again. So, I challenged Joe. I challenged Joe. Can you challenge Annika? 
So I challenge Annika. I can do it in the present. I challenged. Say that I challenged. I challenged Annika. Perfect. I challenged Joe. You've made. You're, it you're on. You're on. All right, thanks. You're on TV, but the problem is you're on in the past. So, I challenged Joe to come up with a new theme tune for Tomorrow's World if it was on today. Yeah. So, would you like to go first, or shall I? Not really, because I think I've strayed quite a long way from the brief. Well, obviously, there are a certain number of ways to go with yeah. this brief. And I wonder if we've both gone exactly the same I way. I very much doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually... Did I tell you what my initial idea was? Yeah, go on. And this will, probably would have been quite good. My initial idea was, well, what if Tom York did it? Oh. Because I'd read that song. I'd heard that, read that song. I'd listened to his song, He's Circling Round the Drain. Yep. Or something. That's it was a very beautiful animated video. Amazing video. But I don't know. And, and I thought, well, that would be funny if it was just Tom York complaining about how he's bought Call of Duty Modern Warfare and there's a four-hour download before he can play it, stuff like that. <laughs> and he'd just be, like, warbling in his slightly weird sort of choral, nonsensical manner. But frankly, I couldn't get the sounds out of GarageBand because one of the things he does is they find very unique sounds. Yeah, he? there's more to it than yeah. you might oh, imagine. Oh, I'm not disparaging it. Yeah, well, just but I dis- don't. I dis- don't. <laughs> I discovered don't. <laughs> that there was more to it when you try and mimic it. Yeah. So I, so I went off somewhere so, else. So if you've stuck to the brief, I think you should set the tone here. Have I stuck to the brief, though? Tell, That's the question. Tell us. I, because, like, in the olden days when we were on Six Music, we had a segment called Song Wars when we would often challenge each other to do songs for the show. And I forgot the amount of trauma that I used to go through week on week, leaving it too late. I'd only have a couple of days left until the show. And then I'd think, oh, I'll, t- I'll toss a song off. It'll be fine. Go on Garage Band, put a few loops together and sing some nonsense over it. It'll be fine. But I, it turned into a big psychodrama for me. And they got more and more elaborate, and it started to send me nuts. And this is what happened this time. <laughs> I just overthought it massively. Mm-hmm. So I've done about I six. I can't wait. I'm not going to play you all the different You've versions. You've done six? I, I, I did various. I'm not not no. six finished ones. No, 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 you started, and, started abandoned and abandoned six times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll just play you the final one. But it is, uh, yeah. Can I hear it through headphones? Oh, okay, yeah. That's I've got some headphones in my bag. I'm going to activate the noise cancelling as well. Ooh. And I've only got 30% battery left, so this is sacrificing some of my trained silence. Okay, here we go. Tomorrow's world. Tomorrow's world. Tomorrow's world. Tomorrow's world. Tomorrow's world. So, tomorrow's world. Tomorrow's world. Problems affecting the whole of the world today. Climate change. Inequality. Bad Wi-Fi. Make it go away. Robots taking over our lives. Husbands turning into wives. Babies threatening mums with knives. I'm frightened of tomorrow's world. Tomorrow's world. Tomorrow's world. Tomorrow's world. We can get rich and done. 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 Al Qaeda. 
We could lie in the sun playing games with stones and twigs <laughs> Till I get jealous of your twig cause your twig's so big Then I'll kill you in the head with my stone and steal your twig Oh, that's a very <laughs> downbeat ending It ends with a murder It's, wow, that's yeah. very, I thought that was very good I don't. I think you should be very happy with what you've done. I took the kitchen sink approach. You did, and I enjoyed the use of a lot of familiar sound effects there, like little um, found bits of it's audio. Very confused, like beedly beedly. Yeah, Dweaky the robot, and that was a, a truck reversing. Yeah, Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Someone saying Al Qaeda. Lots of familiar futuristic sounds. Was Trump saying Al Qaeda. Oh, was it? And then it had a very powerful sort of Germanic house beat. Mm. It was a sonic fiesta. It really was, wasn't it? It was very good. And I think if they bring the show back, not only should they use that theme tune, <laughs> but you should present it. All right. Now, you can hear the torment in you it. You can, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> you can. It's like a sort of glimpse into your brain at two in the morning. It really or, is. That's <laughs> three exactly, days ago. That's exactly what but it was. But GarageBand is like that. It's working on your own. It's very odd. Um, I kept on trying to remind myself that, that, that when I had Brian Eno on the podcast, he was saying... The impulse is always to add when you're making music or, or, yes. or making anything creative. You always feel, he calls it screwdrivering. You always mm. feel as if you should be putting more in and then that'll be good. But actually yeah. what you should be doing is taking Well, that's a out. drawing tip as well. Don't you remember that from drawing days or when you'd made right. a painting that you just have to know when to stop yeah. adding little noodles? I reached a certain point. I just thought, screw it. And it was about two in the morning. I was like... It's all going in. I'm not even going to think it through. You did a very good job. Thanks. You should be very pleased with it. <laughs> this is a non-combative Christmas. That's true. It's not Song Wars. It's Song Christmas. Yeah. And everybody wins. Yeah, there's no voting for this. I'm just trying to pad myself. We've had enough votes come. this year, haven't we? Oh, we will be by the time this, this goes mm. out. Mm. All right, do you want to hear mine? Yes, please. I kind of forgot the brief a bit. I thought it was something to do with tomorrow's world and it's a future thing. So it popped into my head that many, many years ago, and this is a real completist Adam and Joe thing, on our Glastonbury coverage, I promised that I would play Harvest Moon. I would yes. sing Harvest Moon. Yeah. And I never did. And I'm a man who keeps his, some of his words. So I thought, well, what if I did Neil Young, Harvest Moon style, singing a theme tune to tomorrow's world? And then it just became, well, what does Neil Young think of technology and modernity? So that's sort of what I've done. It's a sort of Neil Young song about modernity with a very particular um, thing he's saying. <laughs> it doesn't, it's quite, you know, anyway, what, here, here it is. All right. No. 
<laughs> Very David Lynch. My fucking phone. it man that is like a christmas i consider that a beautiful christmas a beautiful gift. christmas gift well you've done very well just for me and for the listeners i'm sure they are as grateful as i am well it was a good challenge and i thought two very creative approaches to it <laughs> <laughs> Now, Joe, we are coming towards the end of the podcast this Christmas. And to get you in the mood for this segment, I've got a jingle for you. And this is, again, the product of my trawling through the past uh, in the course of writing my book. And I was trying to think of adverts that we used to enjoy when we were at school. Mm. And this is one from around 1987. Do you remember this? Noodle Doodle came to town with lots of straight spaghetti. Whoa, that's were, strong stuff. It's strong, and yeah. it was accompanied by an animated ad with a little noodle man. They were children's noodles. Hmm, you don't, I don't think you can get them anymore. And I just remember that bit where he goes... Eat noodle doodle mouses. It's a good voice. I think I can tell where this is going. <laughs> the use of the word doodle. The use of the word doodle should be a clue. And wow, what a year it's been for the doodle story. Because earlier this year, when you were on your publicity tour, I asked you earlier on if you had uh, 
been on any TV shows That's to promote true. I the kid who the would one be king. You were on the one show. Yeah. And this was in February 2019. And you told the doodle story. I did. It caused some controversy, didn't it? Oh, mate. Amongst the listeners. My Twitter feed lit up. I'm going to read you a few of the messages that I received after that appearance, which I didn't watch, by the way, not because I don't love Joe Cornish. I was mm. busy doing something else. But I looked on Twitter and I was like, what the hell is going on? I had loads of messages and I figured out, oh, okay, Joe's been on the one show promoting the kid who would be king. And evidently they've asked him about the doodle story. And as far as the Twitterati were concerned, you had divulged way too much. And, you know, people hate spoilers. I think, if I may jump in there, it was the very fact that what they felt was their story right. was being paraded in front of But it was more than that. They felt listeners. that you had divulged new... Well, they felt, but they, I think they were wrong. OK, look, here's some messages. Dr John Sutton, he says, At Adam Buxton, I'm wondering how you feel about Joe trotting out the whole of the Tom Cruise doodle story... Trotting out. ...on BBC's The One Show. Calm as you like, as if it's no big deal. Will there even be a 2019 Christmas podcast now? Trotting out. Trotting. That's like, what's why trotting? Maybe Like an arrogant the... little piglet. No, maybe because of the hoof. Uh. Ian Kitching says of your appearance and the doodle story divulgence... And what he sees is doodle story spoilers. Unshitting believable. Mm. Luke Bitmap. Worse than Brexit. Ooh. Says Luke. John O'Bolton. Adam and no. Whoa. I'm being raked over the coals. This is what it's like on social media. Watch out. Jack Cuthbert. If this upsets you, don't listen to the Empire Magazine podcast. He talks about it again. Oh, man. I was pretty aware that this would be a thing and I took great care not to divulge any further story. I might have done a different voice or maybe provided a different detail. But, you know, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't ready for the doodle story to take on this scale of import. Did you know they were going to ask you about the doodle story on the one show? I've seen, I've seen Mr. Cruz twice this year. Oh, yeah. Mm. Whoa. So I've actually got some new anecdotes in the anecdote canon. But he's not going to tell... You can't just say that because you're not going to tell us them, are you? No. I'll tell you This them. is exactly how this whole fucking thing but the started. Doodle, the doodle story, I don't think I gave away anything new. So you're in California? In California, Los Angeles, giant studios in what Santa Monica this? by the beach. Oh, God, I can't remember. Like 2000 and eight maybe early days and i'm having a me some sort of a meeting to do with the uh, the writing of the the tintin movie and we're in a a little room in a, a giant studios in santa monica where they're doing some test footage to test the motion camera rigs and stuff steven spielberg's there edgar wright's there Peter Jackson may or may not have been there. Simon Pegg's there. Nick Frost may or may not have been there. Edgar's been contesting some of these details. And so does Simon. And so did so did Simon. What did Simon say? I, Simon said that it, Nick was not there. I'm just trying to pack it full of uh, famous and that, people. Uh, and that Peter Jackson was not there. Okay. Okay. Well, let's just give and that them. You weren't there. <laughs> 
let's give them the benefit of the doubt and yeah. say that Peter Jackson wasn't there, okay. Nick Frost wasn't there, and I wasn't there. <laughs> so Peter Jackson, Steven Spielberg, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, me and Edgar are all in a room in Giant Studios in Santa Monica, and the door bursts open and in walks Tom Cruise. And he knows Simon. He shakes Simon's hand. He knows Mr. Spielberg. He knows Edgar. The only person in the room he doesn't know is me. And he's very uh, attentive. He makes you think you're the only person in the world when you meet him. So he shakes my hand, says, hey, I'm Tom. Very Eye exciting. contact. Two-hand oh, oh, yes. handshake. Uh, I think maybe one-handed handshake. Sits down next to me, which is quite exciting. I've been doodling during this meeting. I'm doodling a picture of Snowy the dog. We know. <laughs> this is for people who might only have joined the podcast this year. You've got a lot of fresh listeners this year. Okay. It's very important. <laughs> I'm doodling Snowy the dog and I've drawn all four legs, but one of the front legs, I haven't, I've just drawn two parallel lines. I haven't joined them up yet. Tom Cruise sits next to me and the meeting carries on and he looks at my doodle and he says, is that your doodle? I said, yeah, yeah, it's my doodle. Are you enjoying this? Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. He says, uh, can I doodle? I said, yeah, sure, Tom. Sure, doodle. He picks up the pen. He goes to the two parallel lines. I'm remembering this now. Mm. Right? It's as if it's happening in front of me. Yes. For me, it's like a weird <laughs> recurring nightmare that only recurs. You needn't have asked me. You needn't have asked me. I don't have to tell you the most amazing anecdote in the world. And instead of linking up the two lines and drawing a paw, he draws a black square which is available for viewing on my Instagram. That's right. Also showed it on uh, The One Show. I, you tweeted it, in fact. You had the world premiere on your Twitter account yes. of that doodle. So the doodle exists to be inspected. He draws a black square as if he's worried that uh, he doesn't know where this doodle will go. He doesn't really know who I am. Obviously, when Tom draws anything, it has value, right? Mm -hmm. Creates anything, it has value. He's like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that's how far I got, right? Yes, it was a hoof. We established that it was... And he said, and I say... Um, you say, oh, you've done a doodle. I say, oh, look at that. You've, uh, you've done a little bit of a doodle. You've then. given Snowy a hoof. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom goes, this is the new bit. Uh -huh. Tom goes, that's right. It's a hoof. I've given Snowy a, a hoof. And then he turns to Spielberg and says, hey, Stephen, look, I've given Snowy a hoof. And Steven Spielberg turns around, looks up and says, that's it for this year. Shut up. No, that's all I'm going to say for this Shut year. Shut up. That's all I'm going to say for this year. You've got quite a lot more. What? You've got a couple of lines of dialogue. You've got Steven Spielberg turning round. Next year. Gonna that's have to not wait. a story. Christmas 2020. But look, mate, you're going to get cancelled. You've got to have I something was to look try forward and... to. I was trying to not use the word cancelled in this podcast. It's important to have something to look forward to. We're going to both get killed. Oh, you think we won't be around this time next no, year? No, we're going to be beaten to death for ending the podcast with you saying, and then Steven Spielberg turned around. No, 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 no. no this around, is the, you know, that's good the things come to people who wait. It's important for people to be patient. It's a very important message at Christmas. There's patience and then there's inhumane No, torture. that's it for this Christmas. It's very important you don't get greedy. What? Christmas isn't about receiving I things. I don't think they It's about greedy. receiving a little bit of stuff and then giving. Give me another year. The podcast. I gave you a lot. Just started. And... 
I proved that I did not say it all on the one He's show. He's wagging his finger. There's podcast. new bits. Four years ago, this started. <laughs> oh. What a cliffhanger! It's like the best. Imagine Netflix if Santa operated the same written. way that you he did. He does. This year, little Timmy, I'm giving you the second wheel <laughs> of your fire engine that you wanted. And next year, there's going to be a rung from the ladder of your little fire engine that you wanted that only costs 99p and is essentially a worthless toy. Do you know, toy. Little, Timmy grows, to little Timmy grows up to be an incredibly good person. <laughs> very, very patient, very wise, understands that the world is just about being patiently waiting for wonderful things. All right. Wait till next year when I actually don't want to tell you what he said. I can't even remember the end of the genuine story <laughs> I told myself. you the story. I know you did, but it was so long ago <laughs> that I've forgotten. And I don't even yeah. think it made that big an impact when you told it me. Oh, it's good. Because the thing is that this all started when I said to you, what was that story again? I just wanted you to say it. Because it was, yeah, it's fine. Oh, it's good, you're saying. <laughs> it's really good. It's a great story. Not many stories last for five years are so good. No. <laughs> they, they last don't. for five years. I've noticed that too. <laughs> they don't, do they? <laughs> <laughs> All right, say happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Do more than that, though. Like. Happy Christmas, listeners. It's, it's not my podcast to say. Well, you can. Uh, you're you're, you're honorary. Happy Christmas, yeah. listeners. We hope you've had a wonderful 2019. 2020 is a good number, isn't it? It's going to be just fun to say that for a year, don't you think? Yeah. 2020. 2020. It's better than those miserable years when we didn't even know what the decade was called. No, 2005 or 2005 or... I mean, the whole decade's going to be 2021, 2022. Yeah. We're in the 20s now. The 20s. Amazing. Mate. We're post-Blade Runner. Are we really? Yeah. When was Blade Runner set? 2019. It's quite recent. It might be September 2019. The day... Lots of people tweeted about it on the day. Uh. That we were now post Blade Runner. Did they tweet it one letter at a time over <laughs> over a period of well, five years? Well, they should have. If they had, maybe they would have gained a massive following. <laughs> Wait, this is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area and spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Continue. 
welcome back, podcasts. There you go. Possibly more controversial, even, than the rise of Skywalker. I don't know. Anyway, I'm very grateful to Joe for making the time and putting all the effort that he did into his preparations for the podcast. Not just the song, but there were more presents that you didn't uh, hear about on the actual podcast. He brought me some serious presents as well. It was really nice. A book about prefab sprout, a uh, thumb drive with a load of obscure prefab sprout tunes on it. I didn't do very well on the present front for Joe. Next year, I promise, I'm going to clear my diary for the whole of December and my Christmas prep is going to be a lot better. Wow, it's such a pretty day here. It's Christmas Eve in Norfolk. And you can hear the church bells over there. And the sun is going down. It's lovely and fresh. It's not raining. Rosie's happy. Everyone's more or less okay in my family. (laughs) You know, within reason. Hey, that reminds me. My mum is being looked after by lovely people who work for the NHS. I'm so grateful to them, as I'm sure many of you are too. I raise my metaphorical glass to all those people who work so hard. Also, look, if you've enjoyed the podcast this year, perhaps you might like to contribute to a good cause. By way of thanks, if you want to. You don't have to. We won't fall out if you don't. It's just if you have the inclination and the means. Uh, And I've put a couple of links in the description of this podcast to charities that I think are doing a good job. I mean, just a couple of them. You know, there's loads of charities that are doing a good job, right? But these are a couple that I am fond of. There's Blue Cross, a charity that provides care and treatment for thousands of pets. And they generally help look out for the welfare of our animal friends. There's a link for donations and more information about Blue Cross in the description of this podcast. As for helping our fellow humans, I spoke to someone who works at a uh, food bank out here in Norwich. I spoke to them just before Christmas. And she told me that people have been very generous this December... Uh, But she said that January is often the time that food donations are less plentiful. So, you know, bear that in mind if you're able to contribute. But uh, probably give them a call, check what they need. Wow, that's so thoughtful and Christmassy of you, Buckles. Honestly, that's fine. Well, look, that's pretty much it for this year. As the Queen pointed out, it's been a lora lora so bumpy year, innit? The podcast will return with more rambly conversations towards the beginning of April in 2020. I look forward very much to meeting some of you on my book tour. Links to shows in the description. As I speak, there are still tickets available for shows in Canterbury, York, Newcastle, Inverness, Dublin and Aberdeen. It'll be me reading bits from my book. Although I also will just be talking. It won't all just be reading with silences in the middle. I will be conversing with the audience. I'm looking forward to it. If you think that sounds fun, check.
check out the link in the description and come along. Thank you very much indeed to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for all his extremely hard work this year and for his production support. And uh, thanks to Matt Lamont for his additional editing on this episode. And thanks once again to Matt for all the work he's done throughout the year on the podcast. Very much appreciated. Thanks, Annika, as well, for your edit work on the podcast. Thanks to Acast. And thanks very much indeed to you for listening. I wish you all the very best for the rest of the holidays and on into 2020. Come on, we can do this. What do you think, Rosie? It's all going to be fine, isn't it? All right. Come on, let's have a hug. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, give us a hug. Oh. Did you just squeeze my ass? Well, that's not cool, but luckily, I love you. Bye!